1: Okay, elves. Okay, let, let, let's settle down. As you know, since there's a new president in America, there are always changes up here in the North Pole. With the 2020 election, there are major changes. So I've asked our new Biden administration-appointed HR elf, Alexandria Keza Elfish, to come and brief you all by shifts on the new directives from Washington. AOE, the floor is yours.
2: Thank you, Mr. Claus. Over the past four years, the previous administration allowed way too many things to happen to listen. It has been a dark time for the world, and we are here to make things right again, and we will build Christmas better. Please. First, these changes are necessary to bring Christmas to a more fair and equitable process for all children of the world. So starting Christmas 2021, we will give all children a present. Not your nice is not inclusive, so we must include all children in gift giving or no gifts at all. Next is toy categories. Those will be scrapped. From now on, we will not issue toys based on what they ask for, nor their gender. Toys will be given as they come out of the sleigh. Gender is a social construct, so blue or pink ideas need to just go away as we move forward and build Christmas better. We will also, next Christmas, issue a gender pronoun coloring book to every child in the world. It is important due to bullying, not brainwashing. Oops, did I say that out loud? It is important that every child understands how important it is to accept that a three-year-old can pick their own gender and be called whatever they want. Also, that they should be able to change their sex through hormone treatment and reassignment surgery. <laughs> Next, we need to look at the impact this operation has on Mother Earth. We must have a green new Christmas. I thought we wanted a white Christmas! And it has to be implemented not only in the operation of this toy factory, but also on how we make and distribute toys. First, the route we are using is not green. Slide, please. As you can see, this new green Christmas route starts in the southern hemisphere, and then east to west, then the northern hemisphere. This not only is better for Mother Earth, but it also ensures that POC children get their presents first. I need not tell you how the very myth of Santa Claus is hugely patriarchal and promotes systemic racism. This normal east-to-west route compounds the systemic racism. So we will go southern hemisphere first, then northern hemisphere. We may not make it to America next year. It will take time to work out the kinks. But America is a majority white country. They can use to miss a few Christmases due to their racism and hegemony. That makes no sense! Digital the In keeping with the green new Christmas, we also are creating new toys every year from scratch. This is so wasteful and is killing the planet, so we will start recycling toys. Yes, I know this sounds hard, but it's quite simple. White children will play with their toys till March, Nail them back to the North Pole, and they will be recycled back into the system for next year. We'll do a quick cleanup. Those toys will go to different children but they'll be white kids, so they really won't notice for they're spoiled and have white privilege. And before you ask, of course, POC children will always get brand new toys that we will make from scratch. I think she sounds like a racist. You a little bitch. Lastly, due to years of patriarchy, the very systemic racism that is truly rooted in the legend and myths of Santa Claus. It's why we had slavery. That's right, Santa really brought the world slavery and it's permeated through the millennia. Next year, we will have a new Santa. Santa Chantella, will you come out, please? Hey! That's not even a no. Chantella, or Santa Chantella, is of African-American Puerto Rican ancestry. She is transgender. Her pronouns are it and that, and she is also disabled, or as we say, able, for we chopped her leg off to ensure she fit in many categories. So sadly, Santa,
1: you're fired. Get that bitch.
3: And welcome back to Flyover Politics Podcast. It's the 21st of December, year of our Lord. This is our Christmas show and I'll start out with some Christmas with our Biden skit that we've already played, but I wanted to play it one last time. We're going to do a little politics and then We're going to head into a quick little segment on favorite Christmas shows, foods, a a shameless little plug of actually having my family, uh, on the show because we did a family Christmas, um, zoom party. And I got to admit it was pretty cool. It was very cool. In fact, I, I really, really liked it. Um, You'll hear some dorking with the mic. We have a new setup now uh, in prep of Operation Gonna Try and Do a YouTube channel. Uh, The mic is hanging from the roof now, so it's out of the way. And so is the beautiful uh, sound panel my wife got me a couple Christmases ago. Uh, they're both hanging from the ceiling and they're up above the monitors, so the mic's a little farther away. and It'll also pick up the speakers a little better since we're going to probably go with a um, you know, projection behind for our, our sound bites and things like that. So, um, anywho, cold as hell here, fire's going. Let's get started with Jake Tapper and CNN. And we're seeing a lot of whataboutisms because there's been a lot of shit being said by people from the left. So Jake Tapper being a journalist, and I just air quoted, the stunning hypocrisy we're beginning to see from folks who were silent for four years about vulgarities and hideous smears and more and going to require seatbelts and various safety equipment strap in. Everybody's reply, preventive whataboutism, the end of the golden age of journalism. Fortunately, there wasn't decades of evidence Trump was a vulgar human being when Jake's network was giving Trump empty podium hours for primetime coverage. Dan McLaughlin, for four years we're told that it was illegitimate whataboutism to point out the raging hypocrisy of Trump's Democratic critics. Now it seems we'll spend the next four years being told, what about Trump? And you knew it, because we spent eight years talking about Bush. I mean, whenever Obama failed, it was Bush's fault. And we get it because here here's just a starter, and then we'll play some sound bites. Katie Hill, Marco Rubio. Biden talks about unity and healing, but you want to know what they really think? Read how the person he wants is the next White House Deputy Chief of Staff called Republicans in Congress a bunch of fuckers. Tim Young will prep it. The woman who had a three-way with the staff and had to resign because of it calling people fuckers, just perfect. Katie Hill. Because you all are the biggest bunch of fuckers in history. Stop being that and unity healing will be a hell of a lot easier. That's that's the left. Ben Shapiro, you actually fucked half your staff. Do you even history, dude? Biden, Kay- Kaylee McHaney, of course, brought it up. Biden's campaign manager calls us fuckers. She's she can try to walk back, but this says volumes about her boss, who calls for unity while shouting that we are assaulting democracy. They think we're deplorable, irredeemable fuckers. Reza Aslan, a person who said, he's got a punchable face. You are deplorable, irredeemable fuckers. And it's seen every night on our TV. I mean, it's just non-stop. That's what they think of everybody who doesn't think like them. It's, it's no longer, hey, you know, we disagree with you on this policy. It's literally, you're an irredeemable, horrible human being. You're a fucking Nazi. I mean, a Nazi. So here's just a touch. Uh, the Covenant kid praised his peaceful. Biden cabinet nominee attacked Covenant Kids, praise peaceful antifa. Uh, Keller rants about GOP senators. Tapper fails to press butt leg on pothole blunders as mayor. No, nah, I'm not going to play that one. Cuomo will play that one. MSABC, the place for hate. Uh, Roning Joe brings on somebody, who calls everybody a piece of shit. Wallace slurs Amy Comey Barrett again. An MSNBC aide literally praising, calling us a bunch of fuckers. And another person on MSNBC literally saying everybody from Trump world's going to go back to their maggot infested place.
4: President-elect Joe Biden's new climate team is taking shape and it's also making history. It will be
5: historic. Democratic Congresswoman Deb Haaland of New Mexico just tapped to be Secretary of the Interior should be the first Native American cabinet secretary in U.S. history, if she's confirmed.
6: And Congresswoman Deb Holland uh, wouldn't just be the first Native American interior secretary. She
7: would be the first Native American cabinet secretary ever.
8: She will make history as the very first Native American ever to serve in the cabinet. So that would be quite historic, really breaking barriers.
9: Now, Mr. Biden also set to make more history with his cabinet, announcing plans to nominate New Mexico Congresswoman Deb Holland to lead the Interior Department. She would be the first Native American to serve as Interior Secretary, if confirmed. Notable not only for that history, but also because the Interior Department oversees the Bureau of Indian Affairs and federally controlled tribal land.
6: First, first, first. We keep saying that, Ed. Thank you very much. A lot of notable nominations.
10: Now, tonight on The Readout, we're launching a new segment to document what lame duck Trump and his Republican lemmings are doing on their way out the door. And because you know nothing good is going to come of that, we're calling it. What the duck? <laughs> a hallmark of the Trump presidency has been the absolute silence of Republicans as Trump took a blowtorch to norms, decency, and democracy. You know, these little Republicans haven't exactly been profiles in courage or really said much at all until after Trump lost. Well, as the sun sets on Trump's virulent and vulgarian presidency, pearl Clutching Republicans are suddenly finding their voices. Is it that Trump caged babies? Oh, no, no, no. Is it that he's lied to us about the coronavirus? No. Is it that millions are hungry and on the brink of homelessness? Nope. Last night, forever presidential candidate Marco Rubio went to bed, outraged, outraged that a woman dared to call out Republicans. Rubio, who has carried Trump's water in a tiny little bottle for the last four years, was critical of President-elect Biden's call for unity after his campaign manager, Jennifer O'Malley Dillon, questioned Republican motives by using an expletive. Earlier this month, Biden defended his decision to nominate Neera Tanden to OMB after Senate Republicans warned she might not be confirmed because they found her tweets about them just too offensive. What's a duck?
11: Are you no, Joy, look,
7: this is a guy who, if you ask your random person in the street More people know him by his rap name, Lil Marco, than actually know where he's a senator from. Like, he's he's been attacked by mean language by the very president that he's holding water for. But this is what happens with the Republican Party. Whenever they are out of power, whenever they don't feel that they can control every single aspect of American society, they engage in these ridiculous disingenuous, hypocritical, bad faith arguments, right? They, they 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 got mad about Al Franken, and then two years later, they voted for Donald Trump. They get mad about profligate spending by Democrats, and then they bust the budget. They, they've got more bad faith than Judas. It's ridiculous. And I think what's important to remember is that this is just going to continue as they realize more and more that the language that Democrats have been holding in for all these years is going to be very common once Biden gets into office.
12: Very shortly, in just 36 days, President-elect Biden will be President Biden. Still, many Republicans continue to enable the president's cries of a rigged election that wasn't. All of the things they have said to pacify Trump and his supporters, whose votes they rely on, they now define the Republican Party. Because when they're done fist-bumping Senator Harris' congratulations in one moment, only to cast doubt on the result of the election in the next, they may find what a slippery slope they're on. A path. As Senator Johnson might say, we're the party that doesn't believe in science, the party that promotes conspiracy theories, the party that undermines public health, which kills people, and the party that promotes racist extremism becomes the party that opposes the most American of things, democratic elections. Somewhere on this slippery slope is a point of no...
5: So we're less than a week in to the distribution, and the vaccination effort is already struggling. Six states say they aren't getting what the White House promised. Nobody seems to have a good answer why these six, Rhode Island, Iowa, Illinois, Washington, Michigan, and Oregon, only one of which was even scheduled to get enough for those first in line by the end of the year, why are they being shorted? Why now? We're not talking a handful of doses here either. Next week's shipments are going to be cut between 30 and 50 percent. Blame Pfizer. Okay. They say no. Blame Trump. Here's their quote. We have millions more doses sitting in our warehouse, but as of now, we haven't received any shipment instructions for additional doses. The Trump administration, doing what it does best, nothing.
13: It's a bit of a misunderstanding or miscommunication there. Things are going as planned.
5: This is your plan? To screw it up? Tell that to, to the governors who are worried, to the first... Line, recipients, who are worried. Even the spokesperson for HHS couldn't stomach calling this according to plan. They just said it was delayed. And it raises the question, what is the plan? Who gets what and when? Why won't the White House or the CDC or General Perna? Why won't somebody give us the numbers and details instead of general assurances? Now, I teased before the break, you won't believe it. So I now call people who I know, very high up, involved with OW, Operation Warp Speed. They couldn't tell me who makes the decisions of who gets what, in what state. I said, is it the state? No, it's not the state. Is it permanent? Well, he's more the logistics. He decides how it gets there, but he's somebody who? Is it the White House? They don't know. What does that tell you? So you get the lack of leadership, then you got the real problem, which is time. It's just delayed. What does time mean? More time, more disease, more death, period. Those doses were already planned to go into the arms of those most at risk, nursing home patients. If we can't get this right with the Pfizer shots, what happens in the coming days with the Moderna vaccine? If the system doesn't work, it's not going to get better by itself, Right. Remember, the first wave of Moderna shots is almost double what we're talking about from Pfizer. More to do does not make it easier to do.
13: So did the term defund the police hurt down-ballot Democrats in the 2020 election? If you ask party leaders like Barack Obama and Joe Biden, the answer is yes. But a new piece in The Atlantic argues that, that that analysis is far too simplistic. The piece entitled Stop scapegoating progressive says Democrats need elected officials to do what Trump never did accept responsibility its author Ibram X Kendi joins us now he's founding director of American University's anti-racist research and policy center and author of the best-selling book how to be an anti-racist also joining us for this conversation editor-at-large for the nonprofit newsroom the 19th and an MSNBC contributor Aaron Haynes, Princeton's Eddie Glock, Jr. and former Senator Claire McCaskill are back with us as well. So, um, Ibrahim, I guess the, I'd like you to further uh, take us through your contention that uh, responsibility needs to be taken. What do you mean by that?
14: Well, well, first, I mean after the election, we had. Republicans claiming that that Donald Trump lost, but down-ballot Republicans won because of widespread voter fraud. We simultaneously had Democrats arguing that Biden won, but down-ballot Democrats lost because of progressive policies like defunding the police. We obviously know that there's no evidence that substantiates widespread voter fraud, but what hasn't been shown we haven't Democrats haven't substantiated that progressive policies alienated more voters than they mobilized, nor have they demonstrated via evidence that indeed people in swing states who were going to vote republican who who may have voted republican anyway, in other words. You have many people who are probably going to re- vote Republican anyway. And, and we don't know that, indeed, defunding the police was, was the reason why they split their ballots or ended up voting Republican. And all I'm asking for is evidence to substantiate this. Elected officials saying their constituents told them that is not evidence. And at a time in which the Republican Party is built on misinformation, lying to the American people, it's critically important for Democrats to speak from the evidence. But Republicans don't feel pressure because of the
13: suffering, because people have been suffering for many, many, many months. Republicans are afraid that we might reintroduce shame into the political ecosystem. And I think that what I detect in McConnell is relief. I I don't think McConnell liked working with Donald Trump. I think he was craven enough to know that he could put whatever judges he wanted in the United States Supreme Court, just called up again and say, hey, do Gorsuch, do do Kavanaugh next, and let's do a Hail Mary with the real right-wing lunatic. I mean, I don't think that Mitch McConnell has any um, distress or despair about working with Joe Biden, do you? No, none at all.
15: He will leave. Uh, and, you know, I'm going to quote Karl Rove, which I often do. I You know, I kind of I have a various Karl Rove quotes next to my bed. And he said, you know, America does not like a sore loser. They they like a comeback story. But there's just something in our culture, who we are, what we're about, that a sore loser is kind of bottom of the food chain. And I, I think that's that's going to stick with Trump. You know, we've seen his get you. You mentioned those polls, the Gallup poll. He's lost six points in approval ratings uh, since the election, whereas most candidates who actually lost the election, they grow in approval. Ironically, Trump's going backwards. And I I do think this kind of sore, loser, whiny little, I'm going to use a word I'm not going to use because then I won't be able to be on the show anymore, just sticks with him. And I think as time moves on, and as the vaccine gets into people's arms and as the economy continues to grow, I think it will continue to stay strong. And as we are dealing with a little peace as opposed to chaos, I think Donald Trump will be a moment in time. I don't think Donald Trump is permanent. I don't think Donald Trump is the future of the Republican Party. I think he will go back to that kind of little maggot infested place that he was in, this kind of like Peaky yeah. Barnum circus reality critter. Uh, and that's what he'll be. But if you look at him now, and I challenge everybody at home, as you watch Donald Trump, as you watch images, I know I used to see those images or hear him and I would squirm and I would get angry and I would get frightened. Now you kind of chuckle and he looks weak and he feels weak and he yeah. sounds weak. And as the great Carl Robe said, he's just a little baby sore loser. OK, well,
16: uh, first of all, uh, yeah. Donnie Deutsch with a light touch. I just I just want a correction there. Uh, it's bed bugs.
13: Oh, bed bugs in Bedminster. Bed bugs.
16: <laughs> no, well, there may be bed bugs in Bedminster. No, not, wait, There are a lot of bed so bugs in Doral. Doral. No bugs. Wait, so many bed bugs.
13: So itchy. A lot of bed bugs. Are this
16: there. guy sued. Uh Let me let me go to Reverend Al, and let's take this to a higher level. Uh,
5: okay, sorry.
16: So the bed bugs do freak me Thank out. A lot of bed in bugs. Doral. I freak freaked out. Um, so Reverend Al uh, wrote uh, this this weekend about. What happened to my party over the past 50 years? What happened to the conservative movement over the past 50 years? A lot of us that grew up uh, in the Baptist Church, Southern Baptist Church, and and other mainline Protestant uh, denominations are asking what in the world is happening with our church, with the
3: evangelical movement. I used to say on this show at least 20 times a podcast, they hate you. They hate you and they hate you. And they spend all their time looking at people that don't hate you. Uh, Matt Gertz, today's news on one of Fox News show clips from opinion host monologues on two separate topics in the first 15 minutes. AOCN1. Oliver Darcy. If you're still buying Fox line about the network having an independent straight news division, I don't know how to help you. The reality is that Fox is a right-wing cable channel with conservatives programming during the day and full-blown propaganda at night. This really is a matter of simple fact, but there are some major newsrooms that cover Fox and still want to pretend that the network does hours of straight news each day. Suggesting so is doing a disservice to readers. It's inaccurate. Full stop. The entire world. Are you fucking kidding me? My favorite. I wish this Christmas you get a 10 ounce bottle of self awareness. This is one of their people Christopher Cuomo. Oliver Olivia Fauci fans, how do you find the strength to deliver the news each day when the news is so frustrating? Christopher Cuomo, no time to be for tired in crises. People are tired of being underserved, hungry, discriminated against, disadvantaged, ignored. How can any who can help tire? A reply from Nick Searcy. Poor beleaguered Chris Cuomo is like a saint. Kissing Democrats' asses for an hour a day on CNN is like what Mother Teresa did. Land of Stacey. What's tiring and unbelievable is seeing poor amazingly gullible people out there drinking up every word you spoo. And that's the truth. Yamichi Alcindor. Somebody we literally, this is a theme to all this. They're, They're really patting themselves on the back for getting Biden elected. Acosta, the press secretary, as she walked off after lashing out at press. Isn't it hy- hy- hypocritical of you to accuse others of disinformation when you spread it every day? Scott Dorkin. Jim Acosta is a real-life superhero. What world are you in? And to show they love themselves... The Hill, new poll. 60% approve of Biden's job as president-elect. What the fuck is that job? What job is president-elect? Does anybody know? That's not a job. He's still in his basement. What? The i mean where do they get this shit they're still trying to press that he is great all americans want him and that's not true none of this is true If that was the case, all right. If he was so good, why do you have to cheat? I mean, I know it's over, and there's not a whole lot we could do about it. But there's still stories like this. Fraud analyst finds an average of two to three percent shift from Biden and counties that use Dominion. Two to three percent. flip You have your law officer who said Donald Trump will not win still saying that awful my pillow guy just came on while our family is watching the Sixers game together. Laura and I yelled at the TV and told the kids to avert their eyes because there was inappropriate content on the screen. That guy was in charge of an election. ABC put up Senator Ron Johnson on hearing of unfounded claims of election irregularities. The fact that our last two presidential elections have not been accepted as legitimate by a large percentage of the American public is a serious problem that threatens our republic. But they did put up ABC News. Gary Peters, amplify these obviously false narratives about fraud and irregularities, uh, 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 corrodes public trust in the election. That's a Democrat. After four years, that's what they said at the hearing. While elections are sometimes messy, this was a secure election. Of that, I have no doubt. Chris Krebs, really. Nobody believes that. And as they're jerking each other off, Vogue fawns. NBC anchors won the 2020 election coverage. How Savannah Guthrie and Kristen Welker won the 2020 election coverage in a season of political tumult amid an increasingly polarized and partisan media landscape. Guthrie and Welker have emerged as pillars of the fourth state, two roundly tough but fair network newswomen determined to hold leaders on both parties. To account, does anybody believe that? They're running stories like this. Maggie Haberman. Putting aside everything else, it's rare to hear a woman speak unapologetically and unselfconsciously about life, having kids, and an intense job. The kind of thing men's men often ask to think twice about, but women are always expected to. The entire world. Sarah Sanders, Kellyanne Conway, Mercedes Schlapp, Ivanka Trump. We didn't do articles like that. There's pictures of Kellyanne, of Kaylee McCaney with their baby in the White House. There is no stories. But the best, the best is Pete Buttleg.
9: In our 2020 lead, former South Bend, Indiana, Mayor Pete Buttigieg has officially been selected to serve as transportation secretary for President-elect Biden. And as CNN's MJ Lee reports, with LGBTQ rights groups heralding that Buttigieg would become the first openly gay, Senate-confirmed cabinet secretary, he is the latest addition to an already historic and diverse Biden administration.
6: We need to bring new voices to
5: our Capitol.
8: From 2020 opponent to cabinet secretary nominee.
5: For Secretary of Transportation, I nominate Mayor Pete Buttigieg.
8: Pete Buttigieg, chosen by President-elect Joe Biden to lead the Department of Transportation. The former South Bend, Indiana mayor would have a big task ahead, playing a key role in building out a major infrastructure package, a top priority for Biden.
5: We selected Pete for Transportation because the department is at the intersection of some of our most ambitious plans to build back better. Modernizing our transportation infrastructure, our roads, bridges, and ports were some of our most critical investments.
8: If confirmed by the Senate, Buttigieg would break a significant barrier, a historic moment not lost on the 38-year-old nominee.
7: I'm also mindful that the eyes of history are on this appointment, knowing that this is the first time an American president has ever sent an openly LGBTQ cabinet member to the Senate for confirmation.
8: Biden's future administration coming into focus as some Republicans in Washington finally begin to acknowledge his 2020 victory.
7: The decision by the Electoral College yesterday was determinative.
8: Vice President-elect Kamala Harris saying her colleagues in the Senate are late to the party, but that it's time to move on.
13: You know, it would have been better if it were earlier, but it happened. And that's what's most important. And so let's move forward.
8: Additional administration appointments expected to be announced in the coming days. Gina McCarthy, the former head of the EPA, poised to be tapped as Biden's so-called climate czar, overseeing a newly created Office of Domestic Climate Policy. Combating climate change, another urgent task for Biden.
5: The West is burning. The Midwest is being flooded. The East Coast is being pummeled by more tornadoes and storms than it's ever had.
8: And former Michigan Governor Jennifer Granholm, a longtime advisor to Biden, set to be nominated as his energy secretary. Now, Biden was asked again when he would get the COVID-19 vaccine. He said that he doesn't want to cut the line, but when he does get it, he will do it in a public setting to try to show the American people that it is safe to do so. Jake?
9: All right thank you so much. Appreciate it. President-elect Joe Biden tapping another Democratic primary rival, Pete Buttigieg, to be his transportation secretary, calling him a new voice, new voice to move past old politics. Joining me now for his first interview since his nomination was announced, the former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, Pete Buttigieg. What would we call you, Mayor Pete? Do we call you Secretary Pete, Secretary Mayor Pete? What, what do you want us to do here?
7: I'll always answer to Mayor Pete.
9: Okay. Let's turn to your historic, historic nomination. You're going to be the first openly uh, gay person to serve uh, in a Senate-confirmed cabinet secretary position. You'll also be the first millennial cabinet member. Um, does this, do these milestones mean something to you personally? As mayor, you oversaw a city government with roughly 1,000 employees. You're now going to be leading a department that has nearly 60,000 employees nationwide. Are you confident you do have enough experience to take on this role? The Biden team is uh, reportedly already laying the groundwork for a major infrastructure bill within Biden's first year in office. It could be one of the few areas of bipartisan agreement left in Washington, although, of course, a deal has remained out of reach for years. And as you note, i something of a running joke under President Trump. Uh, is a deal possible? And what else would you focus on as transportation secretary in addition to a major infrastructure bill? In addition uh, to focusing on transportation, uh, I'm sure that you as uh, just an experienced politician uh, will be asked for your advice on other matters. And I have to ask, President-elect Biden's son, Hunter, has acknowledged that he's under investigation by the U.S. attorney uh, in Delaware. Again, I know your focus is on transportation, um, but you're an experienced politician. You're a representative of the Biden transition team. How should the Biden administration handle this investigation So the American people can be confident that it's going to be done in a free and fair manner without any undue influence. We're getting, you know, we're emerging from four years of all sorts of swampy deals when it comes to investigations and pardons and commutations when it comes to the president's allies and such. What's the best way for, for presidents like Biden, President Biden, to handle an investigation into his son? Should there be a special counsel? Should that U.S. attorney be allowed to do his investigation and stay in that job? What do you think?
3: Now, let's break it down uh, good and proper. Richard Grinnell is the first openly gay person to serve. Richard Grinnell. But just like the last segment about women, it doesn't count because they're conservative. So conservative gay guys don't count. But they want to make him transportation secretary. And we could go back and play the let's remember what happened with Trump, but... Let's just play a few here. NPR, Pete Buttigieg, President-elect Biden's pick for Transportation Secretary, said he had a personal love of transportation, recounting train trips on Amtrak while in college, and said he proposed to his now-husband, Chris Chasen, in an airport terminal. Thank you for the hard hitting report on lack of qualifications. Because that's what it is. Here's others. Red states. Here's how Glamour Meg treated Amy Coney Barrett's working motherhood. The power and threat of mothers like Amy Coney Barrett. NPR. We see the Pete Buttigieg. Oh, interesting. Because then they show NPR politics. Senate Democrats slam President Trump nominee to lead the Consumer Finance Protection Bureau, saying her lack of experience regulating the financial industry makes her un- qualified, but a gay guy proposing, yeah, yeah, that makes you qualified. It's almost like the fucking ad. I slept in a fucking Holiday Inn Express so I can be a doctor. Well, fuck, Mrs. Biden's a doctor now. I'll never call her doctor. Andrew Greenwall. Okay. I know that pointing out media hypocrisy often gets tiresome, but this is just Delicious. Then you have Biden cabinet nominee attack Covington kids, praised peaceful Antifa. Another one of Biden's cabinet picks is being celebrated and ushered in with open arms by the media without not a word of scrutiny. Last week, the president-elect tapped anti-religious bigot and abortion enthusiast for health and human service secretary. But you would never know it by how the media's glowingly reported on this nomination. Similarly, yesterday' announcement that Biden picked an Antifa-defending radical Democrat congresswoman who bullied and smeared the Covington Catholic students. Freshman Representative Dem Halad was nominated for Secretary of the Interior. She will be the first Native American to be a Cabinet Secretary. Though way back in 1921, Republican Charles Curtis became the first Native American Vice President. In fact, that's all CNN, MSNBC, and CNN would say about her on their Friday morning broadcast. Let's just play a little bit.
0: It's not like Joe
4: Biden's new climate team is taking shape, and it's also making history. It
17: will be historic. Democratic Congresswoman Deb Haaland of New Mexico just tapped to be Secretary of the Interior. She'll be the first Native American cabinet. Remember,
3: this has nothing to do With qualifications. They're doing the intersectionality scorecard. And for those who have been with the show, go way back. I made a scorecard. If you're POC, gay, and freaking a woman, or a dude who thinks he's a woman, that's bingo, baby. You are the fucking shit. You are the fucking Mizan. You get extra credit. That's what I'm trying to say. Corey Bush nominated a House Judiciary box at lack a law degree. Lived experience will drive my work. So, Judiciary, no law degree. Reply. Some people in my mentions are saying I need a law degree to serve as Judiciary Committee. No degree can teach you what it feels like to experience an officer's boot stomping on your head. There it is. I'm black. I'm a woman. I hate the police. I got the job. Czar and Adams, journalism, high opinion of journalism is the planet's most potent naturally occurrence source of energy. And this, oh my God, let me just flip to this because I want to go through this thread. This thread, my God in heaven, you fucking people. When they weren't jerking off once again to everything Biden uttered, everything. They were doing shit like this, which never wants to open. Come on, sweet pea. Why does it never want to open? It's weird. When I click it out of a story, it does it. Here's just some of them. Jake Jake Tappers, AI.com. Caitlin Collins held White House accountable in 2020 against all odds. Cronkite ASU. New York Times executive editor Dean Baquette is the 37th annual recipient of the Cronkite Award. NBC News, Guthrie and Welker emerges Pillars of the Fourth State. Texas Moody, we are introducing the Dan Rather medals for news and guts to recognize collegiate and professional journalists. Uh, next batch. Uh, variety inside the intense combated world of covering the Trump White House with pictures of of two race hustlers and Acosta. The oral history... Let me flip this one. The oral history of CNN Election Week. A whole story about just CNN on Esquire. How Savannah... Here's the Vogue article. They got them both posing like they're Vogue. Like, really Vogue. Abby Phillips' is next-gen... CNN. (laughs) They should invent a journalism award for best journalism award. Like the award for the best journalism award this year goes to the Pulitzer because that's always a good award. And he's right. All they do is report about themselves. And they will be, what about the Jake Tapper? It is going to be the fucking... Trend for 2021. But Trump. But Trump. Here's another great one. We wanted to believe another award winning New York Times project falls apart after its subject is charged with perpetrating a terrorist hoax. David Fokenfilk. My interview with New York Times executive editor Dean Baquette on what went wrong with its hit podcast series, Caliphate. We wanted to believe. Listen to him on this piece for NPR's morning edition. Caliphate relayed the tale about the radicalization of a young Canadian who went to Syria, joined the Islamic State, and became an executioner for the extremist group. Because we need to hear what it's like to chop off infidels' heads. Because the infidel had it coming, right? Why is that even a podcast? Canadian authorities this fall accused the man, Sharoz Cothry of lying about those activities. He currently faces criminal charges in federal court. We fell in love with the fact that we had gotten a member of ISIS who would describe his life in the caliphate and would describe his crimes. I think we were so in love with it that when we saw the evidence that maybe he was a fabulist, well, we just didn't wake up. The Times did not remove Caliphate from its site or feeds. Asked whether its action constitutes a retraction, but Kat paused and said, I guess the parts that were about Chaudhry and his history and his background, yeah. Ramiki Kamalchili, an Islamist. I am fiercely proud of the stories I have broken on the ISIS beat, but as a journalist, we demand transparency from our sources, so we should expect it from ourselves. Please see my statement. The editor note has been added today. And another story, this one from the end of 2019, the Times investigators were looking at a broader range of work that just caliphate. ISIS leader paid rival for protection, but was betrayed by his own people. That just says everything. It just says everything about our media. You wanted to do a series about Islamists, but you won't do a series about Hunter Biden and now 52% of America believe the story and believe the media buried it. But here's NBC just scoffing.
4: And according to an Associated Press report, President Trump is now considering pushing to have a special counsel appointed to investigate Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden is already the focus of a federal criminal investigation examining if he broke tax and money laundering laws in his Chinese business dealings. He said he handled his affairs legally and appropriately. The president-elect asked today if he's confident his son did nothing wrong.
6: I'm confident. Fox News has obtained June 2017 correspondence between Hunter Biden and Yi Jianming, the chairman of CEFC, China Energy Company, offering best wishes from the entire Biden family and urging Yi to quickly send a $10 million wire to properly fund and operate Biden's joint venture with the now bankrupt CEFC. Some allies of President Trump are saying it may be time for a special counsel to look into Hunter Biden's business dealings concerned the Biden administration may not be interested in a serious criminal investigation.
5: I'm absolutely calling on a special counsel to look at all things Hunter Biden to see if he presents a conflict for the Biden administration regarding his business dealings in Ukraine.
6: The current regulations say the attorney general were in cases in which the attorney general is recused The acting attorney general will appoint a special counsel when he or she determines that criminal investigation of a person or matter is warranted, and when it's in, quote, the public interest. If President Trump decides he wants one, he presumably needs acting attorney general Jeffrey Rosen to take action.
7: To me, it's kind of a last resort, but in this case, if we don't see action prior to President Trump leaving office, uh, this special
6: counsel might be warranted. One of the top Senate Democrats today says it is not. Folks.
3: That's your election. If you want to talk about how the media stole this, that's your election. In a nutshell, that's your election. They buried everything negative about Biden, propped him up on a pedestal, and refused to report. This motherfucker, if they win the Senate, is going to get impeached. There's so much shit coming forward now, it's a no-shitter. So, let's go to our first break. We're going to play Snow, my favorite Christmas song. And when we come in, Chuck Todd. Well, let's do Chuck Todd. Uh, eh, Who are we going to do? Chuck Todd and Cuomo. That's always fun. We'll play those two. No, let's do Chuck Todd. And somebody yelling. Who was this? Uh... Brennan on CNN yelling at the Attorney General because now we're just still, we can't lose the COVID cudgel.
18: As nuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping at your nose. You'll cows being sung by a choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Silver
11: bells, silver bells, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used No
18: memories Christmas memories They're the sweetest ones I know
1: Merry Christmas from Flyover Politic Podcast.
19: Of the depths of the political interference at our country's public health agencies is obviously of major importance on that issue. The CDC's former chief of staff and his top deputy are opening up about how the agency was sidelined in part by political allies of the president. In an interview with the New York Times, they said, quote, Everyone wants to describe the day that the light switch flipped and the C D C was sidelined. It didn't happen that way. It was more of like a hand grasping something, and it slowly closes closes and closes until you realize that middle of the summer, it has a complete grasp on everything at the CDC. Folks, the President's response alone to this pandemic will be remembered as one of the biggest failures of government leadership in our nation's history. And while the speed of the vaccine is rightfully being recognized as a medical marvel, there have nonetheless been cascading failures across our government and from our elected leaders. It's resulted in more deaths so far, then the number of Americans who died in the battle, in battle during World War II. The public deserves a full and independent accounting of what happened. We've had plenty of commissions that do this and do this.
4: But that same study from uh, the Kaiser Foundation uh, shows that this vaccine hesitancy cuts across Racial lines, it also cuts across political ones. But I want to drill in here because the highest amount of hesitancy about taking the shot is from Republicans, 42 percent, according to Kaiser. Uh, rural residents, 35 percent. Wouldn't it help to persuade those Republicans if the Republican president himself came out to try to persuade them to take the vaccine? He says he's so proud he fast tracked. Do you have plans to have President Trump get a shot in the arm on camera?
20: From a scientific point of view, I will remind people that the president has had COVID within the last 90 days. He received the monoclonal antibodies, and that is actually one scenario where we tell people maybe you should hold off on getting the vaccine, talk to your health provider to find out the right time. But that doesn't make you immune. There is a medical reason.
4: That doesn't make you immune. Politics
20: aside, Well, it does not, but we know that monoclonal antibodies, if you've been administered them, actually uh, are a potential reason why medically we would tell you to hold off on the vaccination.
4: Okay, so if he can't take the shot, which you're saying is for medical reasons, you think, why doesn't he at least come out and do the public service announcements to the people who voted for him, who trust him, and the vaccine he says he's so proud of?
20: Well, uh, I appreciate the question, and I would refer you to the White House. I can only speak for me. I got vaccinated. The vice president got vaccinated, and uh, plenty of uh, Republicans look at him and see him uh, getting vaccinated. And I hope that people will talk to their trusted health providers uh, and get the information they need to make an appropriate choice to help us reopen our economy and to get back to normal and to save lives.
3: Once again, for those that are new to the show, I'm not a Trumper but what failures you can say it chuck todd but what are the failures in january when he wanted to stop travel nancy pelosi was forming a bill to stop it and you cocksuckers were calling him a xenophobe in one year less than a year he got a vaccine made Don't think we don't know. You cook the numbers. 6% of all COVID deaths are real. The rest are bullshit. He did better than Obama, my non-friend. 61 million people got infected with H1N1. You never went on TV and said the historic failures and we need a commission to account for this. For what? New York got such an outbreak because you're all a bunch of libtards and you said if you don't go to Chinatown, you're a fucking Racist. And then the second part why would a somebody that already got a, a vaccine or somebody already got an illness get the vaccine? Why? Do you science? You already have antibodies, dumbass. You don't need the vaccine. But the big story came from Sean in uh, Oregon. Tucker Collett Carl- covered it really well. The vaccine's no longer about the elderly.
21: It's about everything Biden's going to be about race. 11 months, the world has been waiting with increasing desperation for a cure for a vaccine. More than a million and a half people have died. Now the vaccine has finally arrived, and a new vaccine just today approved. We should be rejoicing in this. And yet, many Americans are reluctant to take the vaccine. Why? Well, it's not all superstition. There are rational reasons to be skeptical, to ask questions. There's never in history been a successful vaccine for any variety of the coronavirus. The last one that scientists developed for SARS proved too dangerous to bring to market. Nor has any vaccine ever been developed as quickly as this one. The only attempt that came close was the mumps vaccine back in 1967, and that took four years. This took months. The authorities assure us that this new vaccine is completely safe. And, of course, we want to believe that badly. On the other hand, it's not crazy to wonder. You may have seen video of that nurse in Chattanooga yesterday passing out cold after getting her shot. You may have seen the press conference on Tuesday in San Antonio where a health care worker received a fake vaccination on camera. He got the needle in the arm, but he didn't actually get a dose. The hospital conceded that's what happened, but never explained it. So it's fair to have questions. You are not a conspiracy nut for wanting answers. On the other hand, rushed development and a clumsy rollout do not fully explain many people's reluctance to take this drug. The worry goes deeper than that. The concern isn't simply the vaccine. It's the people in charge of the vaccine and their basic moral rottenness. Americans understand that many of our leaders really don't care about them. They don't care about human beings in general. They're ideologues, they're religious fanatics who worship their secular gods, money, power, wokeness. Whether their policies help or hurt individuals doesn't seem of great interest to them. These are the people who removed police from poor neighborhoods because it made them feel less guilty about their own pampered lives and their own ill-gotten wealth. As a result of that decision, many Americans died, including small children, but they kept doing it. They never apologized. Human suffering seemed irrelevant to them. It was the theory that mattered. Unfortunately, some of these very same people, the worst in our already unimpressive professional class, are now in charge of the coronavirus vaccine, and that should make you nervous. Tonight, officials of the CDC are debating how to distribute the vaccine, who gets it first and on the basis of what criteria. That decision will, to some extent, determine who lives and who dies. It's a big decision, and it shouldn't be complicated. According to the CDC's own models, The way to save the most Americans is to give the vaccine to frontline health care workers first and then to the elderly, meaning people over the age of 65. Older people are by far the most vulnerable, as we now know well. Every other age group has a survival rate of over 99.9%. That's why in Britain, authorities are getting the vaccine to the elderly as quickly as they can. But in this country, a panel of ideologues at the CDC has decided that the elderly should not be at the front of the line. THE CENTER'S ADVISORY COMMITTEE ON IMMUNIZATION PRACTICES HAS MADE A DIFFERENT DETERMINATION. AND THE REASONING IS SIMPLE. OLD PEOPLE IN THIS COUNTRY ARE TOO WHITE TO SAVE. NOW THAT SOUNDS SHOCKING BECAUSE IT IS SHOCKING. BUT THEY PUT IT IN WRITING. THE CDC'S VACCINE ADVISORY COMMITTEE UNANIMOUSLY APPROVED RECOMMENDATIONS LAST MONTH FROM A DOCTOR CALLED KATHLEEN DOOLING. ACCORDING TO DOOLING'S PRESENTATION, IT IS TRUE THAT MORE LIVES WOULD BE SAVED IF THE ELDERLY RECEIVED PRIORITY ACCESS TO THE VACCINE. But here's the problem. Quote, racial and ethnic minority groups are underrepresented among adults age 65 and older. Therefore, the elderly should not be a top priority. According to the CDC's panel, another group, those officially classified as, quote, non healthcare essential workers, should get the vaccine first. Well, why is that? Quote, racial and ethnic minority groups are disproportionately represented in many essential industries, end quote. In other words, it's entirely racial. They're making the decision based on race. Kathleen Dooling's presentation concluded that doling out life-saving medicine on the basis of skin color would, quote, mitigate health inequities. Of course, it would kill people, and she effectively concedes that. But the people it would kill come from a disfavored race, so it's not a big deal. It's been a very long time since anyone close to what we would consider the mainstream has endorsed eugenics, and that's exactly what that is—it's eugenics. But suddenly, it's everywhere. Earlier this month, the New York Times, supposedly our greatest newspaper, interviewed a leading expert on medical ethics and vaccination at the University of Pennsylvania. He's a man called Harold Schmidt. Here's how Harold Schmidt advised the CDC, quote, "Older populations are whiter. Society is structured in a way that enables them to live longer. Instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already have more of them, we can start to level the playing field a bit. Level the playing field." That means intentionally causing people's deaths because they're the wrong color. When was the last time you heard someone say something like that out loud in this country? Probably not since around 1945. That's when we all agreed that letting certain people die because of their race was bad public policy, not to mention evil. But suddenly our leaders have forgotten that lesson. It's like the Second World War never happened. In the same New York Times piece that quotes Harold Schmidt, yet another doctor makes a similar point. His name is Mark Lipsitch. He's an epidemiologist at Harvard. Here's why he thinks teachers should not be included in the now favored category of non-healthcare essential workers. Quote, teachers have middle class salaries, are very often white, and they have college degrees. In other words, wrong color, not essential. Is the hair on anyone else's arm standing up? What the hell is going on? Talk like that from the people in charge makes the population highly paranoid and fearful about the future, and it should. In California, the governor has already announced the state will distribute medicine based on how people look. Experts in safety as well as experts uh, looking at equity and looking at the distribution from a Dairy perspective and looking at distributions, again, along the spectrum of making sure black and brown communities disproportionately are benefited because of the impact they have felt disproportionately because of COVID-19. So certain ethnicities will get the vaccine first because of their ethnicity, says the governor of California. And it doesn't matter if that policy winds up killing more people or is not based in science because it's not based in science. In fact, maybe that's the point. It'll level the playing field. In Oregon, the head of the public health department, Rachel Banks, has made the same commitment. If you want the vaccine, you had better not be white. Quote, we have a variety of ways to ensure there's equitable distribution, both geographic country. The case they're making, when you're the right color, you're essential. And that makes sense, considering that increasingly your color is your essence. It's the most important thing about you. In this case, you can determine whether you live or die. That's the country they are creating. So is it any wonder that this vaccine rollout makes people nervous? Vivek Ramaswamy is the CEO and founder of Roivin Sciences. He's currently serving in Ohio's coronavirus response team. We're happy to have him on tonight. Thanks for coming. I appreciate it. So it Glad seems to, to me that you need for a vaccine rollout like this in a huge country like ours, a great deal of social trust need people to, to believe this is rooted in science and it will be handled fairly. And I can't think of a clearer way to send the opposite message than this. I agree with you. I think that public trust in the vaccine
22: is key. This is the fastest vaccine development program we've seen. And I can't think of a worse way to foster public trust than to say, hey, black and brown communities, why don't you guys go first? I think the principle is simple. Take the approach that saves the maximum number of lives in the near term. And that's gonna be going to the elderly population, working backwards, And then everyone else waits in the same line after that, save for healthcare workers, of course.
21: But there's an undertone here that I know is politically useful to the Democratic Party, but that seems gravely damaging to me. And it's this, that somehow there is a conspiracy on the part of somebody to use COVID-19 to kill people on the basis of race. Now, I'm open to any theory and anything, but I don't see any evidence whatsoever for that. And yet politicians keep suggesting it. Is there any evidence of that? I don't think there's evidence of that, but I think
22: you get to the heart of the matter where this is divisive. Using race as the basis for distributing a public good in this country is the antithesis of what America is supposed to be about. I think it sets a dangerous precedent. And I'd say Tucker, think about it the other way. Now, we hope that all is gonna go well and and I fully expect that it is. But this is a powder keg waiting to explode if we say go to minority communities first and then God forbid, something even appears to go wrong. I think this could be one of the dangerous mistakes of our century if we really use this moment
21: to racialize the distribution of a public good. You're, that is such a wise point. That is exactly right. And, and I, we all pray. I mean, we are rooting. I think everybody is rooting for this vaccine profoundly. But if sure. there were a problem and we don't know and they were on record saying, oh, black people get it, take it first. I mean, talk about increasing the level of distrust, paranoia, craziness, badness in the country.
22: Or even the appearance of that, right? Even the appearance of that, I think there's, there couldn't be a single thing worse for undermining race relations and undermining our solidarity in this country. And I also am worried about the precedent that it sets in the future. Is this how right. we're going to distribute public goods or medicines in the future? If so, I think that's the beginning of the end of the American dream and the American vision as we know it.
21: Well, why wouldn't it be? I mean, we're told every day this is the greatest public health crisis of our time. This is the vaccine for it. And they're using those criteria to distribute it. So why wouldn't those be the criteria for everything? Well,
22: I'll I'll tell you this, Tucker. Complexity favors the people who are well-connected. And it's also a funny anecdote in all this. New, New York investment bankers have managed to qualify themselves as essential workers. And that's for a provision in the rules that was designed to apply to bank tellers. So in a certain sense, this is just what you, we've always seen all along, is the well-connected are using a smokescreen of woke values to cover up for a complex system that the same reason as the federal tax
21: code is complicated, it helps those who are in power. You know that as well Man, as anybody. That is such a great point. In, in fact, will you just repeat that, that one line, and I, just so everyone can get a pen and write it down and put it on the fridge? Complexity, Complexity favors the well-connected.
22: And they use these woke values as a smokescreen to trick you from seeing that. Now, I run a company. That is what companies up and down Silicon Valley, up and down both of our our coasts and now on Wall Street are doing, too, is espousing these woke, seemingly progressive social values to hide the fact that they want to make an extra buck and consolidate extra power. That's what this is all the way down. And
21: now we're seeing it in science, too. It's pathetic. Man, nicely put. Thanks so much. Great to see you tonight. Good to see you. So the CDC appears to be moving toward the decision that the elderly are not, quote, essential. What's the message of that? What are the ethics that undergird that decision? Charles Kamacy has thought a lot about this. He's the author of the book Resisting Throwaway Culture, How a Consistent Life Ethic Can Unite a Fractured People. What a great and true title. He joins us tonight. So thanks so much for coming on. This is a topic, the treatment of our elderly in a time of plague that you've written and talked on the show a lot about. So assess these apparent developments from the CDC, if you would.
23: Tucker, I want to give you a number, 6,000. I did the math this afternoon. That's the number of people who will die more from this plan from the CDC if they had prioritized, if they prioritize essential workers. 6,000 more people will die per month. If they prioritize the most vulnerable, high-risk populations over 65, 6,000 more people will live. That's the sim- I love your first guest. That's the simple fact of the matter. And that's what we right. should be focused on.
21: I, I, I guess a lot of us who are not in, you know, connected to medicine or don't know much about medical ethics would have assumed that all medical ethicists would be thinking in the way you just described. And I thought they did. When did that change?
23: Academia? <laughs> yeah. um, there are incentives in my world uh, to arrive at certain conclusions. My favorite uh, philosophy professor when I was undergrad said, Charlie, you know, um, a philosophical principle is like getting on a bus. It's not like getting into, um, into a taxi. You have to follow it wherever it goes. These folks want an outcome. They want a situation that they in their groups want to arrive at. Their principles are geared towards that outcome, not towards justice, not towards ethics, certainly not prioritizing the most vulnerable um, with predictable results.
21: So basically, you're saying that if you are in charge and you want to reward, say, a group that votes for you and punish a group that doesn't, you just kind of come up with whatever justification you need in order to achieve that.
23: They wanted essential workers to go next. They were going to find, I have. I've gotten a lot of DNF papers in my time, Tucker, and I looked at the plan that's on the CDC website. It is a DRF paper. It is terrible. The only thing that could justify their plan is arriving at the kind of conclusion they want to arrive at. The very principles they espouse, like racial justice, which I support, would give a different conclusion. You know who's most high risk? You know who's most likely to die? People of color. That's who's most likely to die. White people too, but people of color are most likely to die. Why wouldn't you prioritize high-risk people and people over 65 if you genuinely care about racial justice? If you have some other agenda, we heard some of it in your earlier package, then you come to this other conclusion. But if you really want to protect people of color from dying, you're going to protect high-risk and over 65. That's it.
21: Yeah, you'd treat people like people, as individuals, as children of God, as all equal. That is just some sick,
3: sick shit. The elderly versus essential workers... Who should get the coronavirus vaccine first? The CDC will soon decide which groups to recommend next, and the debate over the trade-offs is growing heated. Ultimately, states will determine who to include the New York Times. White people dying will level the playing field. Threat of CDC experts gives a terrifying peek into government-run health care under Biden. While in the New York Times a doctor explains why the CDC should de-emphasize the elderly even though doing so would save lives older populations are wider instead of giving additional health benefits to those who already had them we can start to level the playing field later in the piece another doctor named mark lipsich explains that teachers should not be considered essential because you guessed it they're very white Elise Gould counters Dr. Lipschitz that teachers should be prioritized wise because the families they teach are d- disproportionately black and brown. So only black and brown people go to school. What the fuck? None of this even equates. It's like, it's like Dr. Biden's theses. Do you math? Jason Composin. so to sum it up in the single article by Jan Hoffman, three experts, Schmidt, Lipsix, and Gould, say that more white people dying will level the playing field, teachers are too white to deserve the vaccine, but that their black and brown students make them deserving. Momo, there are very many intellectual educated people who understand healthcare scarcity. They often lie about what it means if there's a single provider, payer, and rely on useful idiots who don't understand scarcity to make simplistic arguments about healthcare being right. Single payer is going to exasperate scarcity. What that means is death panels. Anyone who says otherwise is lying to you, and they do it all over the place. All over the place. Now, understand there's no data to prove any of this. If you go to KFF.org, you can find percentiles. We're just going to do one state. It's pretty simple Tennessee. 74% of deaths were white. The population is 78% white. 21% of the deaths were black. The population of the state is 17 uh no I'm sorry 17%. 4% of Hispanic deaths 5% of the population. Asian 1% of deaths 14% Native American um 1% of the death 1% of the population. Pacific Islander 1% of the death 3% of the population. Other 4% of the death of the population. Percentage of death with ethnicity, 94%. 6% is unknown. So this is once again, just like gun deaths. It's not based on numbers. It's based on making a statistic fit your agenda. What is the agenda? Black and brown people are disproportionately affected by COVID. That's the agenda, but they won't list names, age, sex, race, because you'd have to put down cause of death, emphysema, and COVID, lightning strike, COVID, car crash, COVID, jerking off and doing auto asphyxiation, COVID. You'd have to list the truth. And the truth would fuck up both agendas because agenda one is this has been a mass killing by COVID. And it's really just 6% of all deaths are actually just COVID. It's underlying other health reasons. Like I have fucking diabetes. I have kidney failure. I have heart disease. I was already really sick. I had pneumonia. Then I got COVID. Then I died. And it disproportionately affects people of color. Because they're playing the same thing as they're doing with the guns. The percentage of the population is 17%, but 20% of the deaths are fucking black people. So that's 3% more. So yeah, we're killing black people. Not taking into account, maybe black people said, go fuck yourself, I'm not wearing a mask. Maybe black people said, go fuck yourself, I'm going to go to a rave. Maybe black people said, go fuck yourself, I'm going to go go fucking do whatever I want to do. Or just bad luck. Somebody in their family got it. They followed the lockdown. The entire house got it, then they died. There are so many other things, but we want an agenda. And they don't put these numbers out, they do it by state. CDC does it by state. Because that's another thing. They don't want to put out that 70 fucking percent of this country is white. Not black. Straight. 95 percent. Not gay. 99 percent. 0.3. Cis. 0.7 percent. Trans. They have so many bullshit agendas. Just like the suicide rate for transgenders just like the guns it's all lies based on fucking stats and those that have been with the show i was in retail man you can make stats fit whatever the fuck you want it's all math baby make it work put it against something that really isn't truthful and it's a problem it's a problem all the while, pathetic Rhode Island Dem Governor is the stay-at-home order hypocrite of the week. Gina Romano, today I'm announcing that we are extending our pause one more week, ending on Sunday, December 20th. Rhode Island Governor Romano was caught maskless at has got a paint and wine bar, despite telling citizens to stay the fucking home. Pictures. California still can't go to a church. Judge rules. San Diego strip clubs can stay open. I could read you another thread by Krista M. Oliver about how lockdowns are affecting mental health and children. But I won't. I just won't. NEA. Yes, it's been difficult. There is learning loss. There are social-emotional challenges. In some cases, there is sickness, economic hardship, or trauma. But students are extremely resilient. That's what they came up with. There may be a temptation for some to describe the generation of young people as lost generation. There's no doubt the trauma and disruption of 2020 will play an enduring role in their lives. But with investment and commitment and by paying attention to their needs, the lost students' experience can be overcome. If a grocery store can't reopen, families can take their money elsewhere. If a school doesn't reopen, families should similarly be able to take their child's education money elsewhere. Because once again, it's not about the kids. They don't get it. It's about the teachers. Argo Bargo Roar is this article. Anna Navarro frothing at the mouth and raging at Mario, Marco Rubio. Young, healthy senator who spoke at rallies packed with thousands without masks with supported Trump who's downplayed COVID and mocked those who wear masks is first to get vaccine while some medical workers and infirm Americans, wait, congratulations on your privilege. Everybody goes, now do AOC. All the left-wing got their shot. You're simultaneously in, Navarro, saying Trump's a cocksucker for not getting the shot. But then you're saying a senator who has been honest that it isn't going to kill everybody, he gets a shot, he's a cocksucker. Once again, so many fucking narratives, they can't keep up with it. Then there's the famous Chattanooga. Tennessee today passed out, a Tennessee Chattanooga nurse passed out while speaking to media shortly after getting the vaccine. Everybody went, oh, shit. And our last COVID, Greg Conslavs, Gonslavs. Okay, I may get slaughtered here, but there's a kind of pundit who doesn't know what he doesn't know. I'm talking about the ordinary people on Twitter who shoot the shit on a variety of topics, but people with millions of followers and readers. They're usually men who will assume expertise because they've always told they were the smartest in the room or given a platform because who they are and feel no sense of humility. Here I'm talking about Nate Silver, Matt Iglesias, Duthit New York Times, who've decided they are the arbiters of truth in science and public health. It started with ACIP recommendations on the next phase of COVID-19 vaccinations, which as far as I know is still pending. All three of them are suggesting that ACIP doesn't know what it's doing because they are discussing discussions happening about how to manage trade-offs. All three believe age-based allocations is the only way to trigger triage vaccine delivery, and they're being scornful of the deliberation of ACIP for talking about things like equality, essential workers. I'll wait and see how the recommendations play out, but let's just suffice to say there are complex trade-offs that have to be considered, and the certainty of these three gentlemen, their easy derision of the process is sort of gross. Don't get me wrong, I'm all for citizen scientists. I did it for years as AIDS activist, but what I think differentiates us from them is that we dug deep in the science and mentorship from some great researchers, took on problems, analyzed them, sometimes for years. We weren't spouting off for this weak column or a series of tweets, and we got things wrong or ruthless with each other about our failures. Now, but Nate Silver and New York Times are going after public health, suggesting they know the contours of what is scientific and parascientific. Go ahead, fellas. Tell us what you really feel. And this guy goes on to dog them. But here's the deal. Everybody's doing it. Here's fucking Cuomo dogging elderly rich people in Florida and CNN mocks Fox for restaurant closures.
5: Context. I know this guy named Cuomo up in New York. He said about 10,000 doses were administered yesterday. That leaves him just as exposed given the scale of need as he was without the vaccine, relatively. Every bit counts, of course. But New York needs so much more and a lot faster, or the curve of cases is going to go up a lot longer and include a lot more of the people that we need on the front lines. Time equals death here. Governor DeSantis in Florida says they sent about 100,000 to five hospitals. But there's a delay as shipments for the next two weeks are, quote, on hold right now two issues one why they get so many more than new york is that true that they did because the numbers seem to suggest it is that the answer uh, DeSantis says well this is about pfizer and their production issues is it but oh, this isn't about that you only need one shot bs that he was trying to peddle is it did they get the doses they need should they this all demands answers in real time because otherwise problems will fall on top of one another
15: because what you give
12: Over on Planet Fox, which loyally orbits Planet Trump, there's a new villain of the day, and it's billionaire philanthropist Bill Gates. The target on his back was born of this interview with Jake Tapper here on CNN.
15: Bars and restaurants in most of the country will be closed as we go into this wave, and I think, sadly, that's appropriate. Depending on how severe it is, the decision about schools is much more complicated because they're you know, the benefits are pretty high. The amount of transmission is not the same as in restaurants and bars. So, uh, you know, trade-offs will have to be made, but this, the next four to six months, uh, really call on us, uh, to, to do our best because we can see that this will end.
12: During the largest surge of a deadly pandemic, this is the inconvenient truth, even with a flailing economy. Just ask the CDC. In September, it explained that adults who tested positive for coronavirus were about twice as likely to have reported dining at a restaurant than those who tested negative. But for Fox's Sunrise Trio, who criticized temporarily closing bars and restaurants despite the human cost of keeping them open when 300 or pardon me, 3,000 Americans were reported dead of covid per day. Here's how they responded to that warning from Bill Gates as they broadcast from the coronavirus-safe confines of their separate television studios.
19: What's this problem?
7: Well, here's a question for Bill Gates. What sacrifices he make? None. Mm. He is still one of the richest people in the world because he actively engages in ways of staying in the top tier of rich people in the world. His wealth gets to grow exponentially, while small business owners, maybe folks who worked for 20, 30 years, saved up scraped, sacrificed, finally opened up the business of their dreams. He willy-nilly says, it's a sacrifice we have to make. Here's the problem. Bill Gates is a globalist.
12: Spoken most of that like a true liberal and there was no way that the trio was going to let that stand i'm not knocking him because he worked hard to make that money
7: (laughs) yeah he worked hard but you know what the the person who's going to come and pick up this garbage outside my house today they work hard (laughs)
12: Perhaps there is some common ground between Fox and AOC after all, since that there is actually the crux of the liberal argument in the wealth gap debate. But back to coronavirus restrictions, people are losing their livelihoods. Kids are out of school, they're isolated, millions and millions of Americans are hungry. So yes, there is a legitimate debate to be had about restrictions. Why are schools closed and restaurants open in many places? Can restaurants and businesses improve conditions so that they can promote a safer working or indoor dining experience? Should the government keep them afloat if they can't? How do you balance the economic toll with the human cost? But Fox and Fox Republicans paint any restriction as a government seizure of your freedoms. And now they're attacking a billionaire whose wealth they normally champion.
3: And it's been about an hour, so I hope this doesn't happen when we go to YouTube. Had a computer issue, lost some files, Had to reconstruct, how to re-download. It was a total freaking nightmare. But I'm back. To a quick roundtable of stupidity. I gotta play music in the background. Packers who gave more than 750 k to police for body cameras do not understand they don't stop police from shooting black people. This was from Deadspin, which once again isn't a sports thing. It's just a bunch of fucking liberals that pretend that they're journalists. And I want you to know, across the board, the stupidity that came out of all this just would just blow your fucking mind. Just blow your mind. And it really comes down to why they wanted to get rid of Live PD. It shows that thugs be thuggin'. And it's really not the cops. It's just not. But they'll never fucking admit that. We're still running shit. The nation, double count- counting black votes would actually restore electoral balance. Vote reparation would create possibilities to build what Webb debose called abolition democracy, or the practice of achieving a racially just society. Abolition democracy invites us to engage with abolition not as a finite goal but as a radical process of challenging injustice wherever and whatever the form. So basically, they pick everybody. Abraham X. Kennedy acknowledges that his idea for Department of Anti-Racism could be fascist. I'm not even reading it. Because what's more scary the Dalton School in Manhattan is having a race meltdown. It's obviously insane. Teachers are holding the school for ransom with demands, but they're so extreme, the school will crumble if they give into it. This is some of the demands that are coming from the people that are teaching our kids. 12 full time diversity officers. This, if anybody's with the show back to Arizona, University of Arizona. It's like that. An addition of a full-time employee's entire role is to support black students. Hiring a multiple psychologists with specialization on psychology issues affecting ethnic minorities. Pay off student debt of incoming black faculty. Just the black. Reroute 50% of all donations to NYC public schools. Eliminate AP courses if black students don't score as high as white students. So if black students aren't intelligent enough, then we just don't have AP and white kids can become stupider. Because that's fair, somehow. Require courses on black liberation. Reduce tuition for black students. Public anti-racist statements. Mandatory community and diversity days. Throughout the year, just not a few. Anti-bias training to be conducted every year for all staff and parent volunteers. You parents too. Brainwash. Do it. Uh, Mandatory minority representation and student leadership. Mandatory diversity plot lines at school days. Overhaul of entire curriculum to just be diversity narrative. So what's happening while they're doing all this crazy shit? A father who raped his own kid who's now becoming transgender gets a free surgery on Wisconsin Public and transferred to women's prison. That's uh, Sean in Oregon. That's, That's what we're doing. L.A. District Attorney, when he's actually gotten pushback did not have enough education to keep their mouths shut Our family of murder victims. That's what he said to them uh, when he announced all his shit. Gascon is creating a use of force review board to take a look at police shootings going back to 2012. Decided to reopen four cases so far. No longer prosecuting juveniles. Adults will be looking to prosecute, uh, resentence at least 20,000 people. We've obtained video of L.A.D.A. George Gascon at the Pomona Courthouse today, where he can be heard saying, it's fortunate that some people do not have enough education to keep their mouths shut so we can talk, as a family of murdered victims yells at him. Here we go. I apologize.
8: It's unfortunate that we have people that do not have enough education to keep their mouth
23: shut for a moment so we can talk. Uh, but
0: anyway. Uh... My son will never speak again because he was murdered. He was kidnapped,
3: tortured, and murdered. Sources tell me the woman yelling is the mother of Joshua Rodriguez, who was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered in 2015. Special circumstances, of course, were used, and he's getting rid of all of them. Now, the story goes he's pushing back now, but that's their answer for everything. When you point them out that they're actually the racist, their reply is always, you're unintelligent. You're uneducated. You're a hayseed. And by the way, that was Latina Mama. Since everything we do is going to be on race, whether you get shots, don't get shots. I mean, the funny thing is, they're going to freaking Tuskegee a whole bunch of people because there's problems with these goddamn vaccines. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But there's allergic react- there's allergic reactions to people who've never had allergic reactions. But the school continues. Seattle public schools forcing white teachers to atone for their privilege and spirit murder. Christopher Rufo. Seattle public school teacher tells uh, that the education system is guilty of spirit murder against black children and that white teachers must bankrupt their privilege and acknowledgment of their thieved inheritance. The trainer began by claiming that teachers are colonizers of Native American ancestral lands and that the United States was built off the stolen labor of kidnapped and enslaved black people, which created profits that created the nation. The participants identify themselves as both gender pronouns and race labels, which has become commonplace in academia to use gender pronouns identifiers. This is perhaps the first example of an institution creating the expectation for explicit race labeling in the workplace. The trainers tell the white teachers that they must commit to the journey of anti-whiteness, even if their lizard brains... Make them afraid that they will have to talk about sensitive issues such as race, racism, classism, sexism, and all kinds of ism. That's their words. The central message is that white teachers must recognize that they are assigned considerable power and privilege because of their possession of white skin. To atone for this guilt, they must bankrupt the privilege and acknowledgement of their thieved inheritance. Next, the teachers hold a discussion on spirit murder which, according to Dr. Bettina Love, is a concept that American schools murder the souls of black children every day through systemic institutionalization, anti-black state-sanctioned violence. The goal of the problem is to transfer public schools into activist organizations. At the end, the teachers must explain how they will practice anti-racist pedigree, address current social justice movement taking place, and become anti-racist outside the classroom. In recent years, the district's expanded its Department of Racial Equity Advancement and deployed racial equity teams in dozens of schools. stated goal is to advance educational racial equity, but in practice, this program offers to serve a forced agenda. Seattle public schools like to claim they're teaching tolerance, but in truth, they're teaching hate. And we're going to cover this in depth. Next podcast. Because I'm going to read the slides. I just wanted to tease this because it's so good. They are the racist. I mean, there's even from time, Helen Keller was just another privileged white person. However, to some black disability rights activists like Anita Cameron, Helen Keller is not radical at all. Just another despite disability privileged white person. And yet another example of history telling the story of privileged white Americans. What? The fucking fuck. But when they're not pushing everybody's racist. And we need to re-privilege everything. Like you don't get a paycheck. Your paycheck just goes to black people because you're white. Cartoon Network grooms kids with trans agenda. Numerous shows now. New England Journal of Medicine. Sex de- designation on birth certificates offer no clinical utility, and they can be harmful for intersex and transgender people. Moving such designations below the line of demarcation would not compromise the birth certificate public health function, but could avoid harm. We believe it's time to update the practice of designating sex on birth certificates. Yeah. And when they're not doing that, vice. Because of imagery that connects abortion with baby killing, the life saving procedure is still often associated with shame and tragedy. From the article, and then the public window into women's private domain become political. Before ultrasound technology, anti-abortion activists often relied on religious or moral arguments against safe access to abortion. But the powerful imagery of prenatal scans helped them strengthen their cause, triggering people to protect instinct toward the lo- what looked like a tiny, unborn child. What looked... Like a tiny unborn child, I can't even say that enough, because I'm sorry, it's a baby. It's a baby. Even if you don't want it to be a baby. So that's our quick up front. A quick "This is America," which gets us right into the Christmas spirit, because it's Governor Whitner.
17: Oh fuck me. This is America.
1: It's time for the worst soundbite. When the liberal media is pushing one of them agenda story and says
12: and This is America in
21: 2019. Yeah, this is America. I got the Hey. So Democrats want your kids to know one thing. These lockdowns are good for you. Now, that's not an easy case to make because the lockdowns have actually destroyed an entire generation of children. So when a lie is that big, you need the big guns to help you sell it. And they have them now. They brought some help from the North Pole to make their case. Fox's Rick Leventhal has that story for us tonight. Hey, Rick.
17: Hey, Tucker, I thought Santa wasn't supposed to be scary, but it's a whole new world. And in 2020, Mr. Claus wants kids to know They've got to do more than be nice, and we have video highlights to prove it, courtesy of Michigan's Democratic governor. Now, my favorite part is the very beginning, where she appears to read her name off the prompter.
0: Thank you for joining us. I'm Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and I'm really excited.
3: When I'm in my workshop with all my elves,
21: we all are masked up in social distancing. Everyone has been testing negative. We're still getting tested. I think we're so far up north that it might not be getting to us, but we're not going to take any chances. Social distance, wash your hands, and make sure
3: you wear your masks when you're outside your home.
0: And another way to stay safe during the holiday is to stay home, but call your grandparents and your cousins and your family. And it's the safest way to tell the people you love how much you care about them.
17: Is it comforting to learn Santa and the elves are masked up in social distancing and there's no COVID at the North Pole yet? Tucker, I was
21: kind of disturbed by the whole thing kind of disturbed. That was like an ad for Xanax. What happened to the governor of that state? And Santa was creepy as hell. Would you let your kid sit on that guy's lap? No chance. No I'm problem. not going to make you... <laughs> Eric <Leppenthal. laughs> Great to see you tonight. Thank you so much. You too, thanks. Gretchen Whitmer obviously goes to the Nancy Pelosi School of Cosmetology. That was really weird. Really weird. We've got to play that Monday again just because it was just... We want to savor it. Oh.
24: Why not give him coal, you heartless troll? Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer, if that's her real name, took all the joy out of the holiday season this week by hosting a Zoom call with a bunch of kids.
0: Thank you for joining us. I'm Governor Gretchen Whitmer, and I'm really excited to be here with all of you. And I also know someone who's been... Really following the rules and making sure that he stays safe and the elves stay safe. And so my special guest is Santa Claus.
24: Seriously, even Whitmer wouldn't really have Santa lecture kids on social distancing and hand washing, right?
21: Social distance, wash your hands and make sure you wear your mask when you're outside your home.
24: This is a travesty. We all know to wash our hands by now, but come on, it's Christmas. Do those kids look like they're having fun? Ugh. Anyway, moving on. We saw pictures of healthcare workers getting the COVID vaccine this week, and even Mike Pence got a shot in the arm. Meanwhile, one demographic is looking forward to getting vaccinated. Cheaters. An Ashley Madison survey shows four in 10 cheaters would get the vaccine so they can, quote, responsibly continue having in-person affairs. How thoughtful. But those over 65 are the next in line for vaccination. So unless those cheaters are collecting Social Security, they're going to have to wait a while. In fact, getting the vaccine to every person who wants one could take months. Of course, some jerks are going to try to cut in line. Check out this horrible ad I saw on cable in the middle of the night. Want the COVID vaccine, but don't feel like waiting months for it? Frustrated that
9: grandma's going to get it much sooner than you? Then come on down to Daryl and Carol's Vaccine Line Cutter Emporium. Our highly trained technicians can make any young person look old, so they can cut to the front of the vaccine line. Just listen to these satisfied customers.
8: Here's how I looked before I went to Daryl and Carol's. Here's how I looked when they were done with me. Can't wait to cut that
0: vaccine line.
21: Well, before Daryl and Carol, I barely looked old enough to buy a beer. Now, thanks to them, I'm ready to go from last to first. Sure, they stole my wallet, but hey, at least I'll get the vaccine, right? So
9: get down to Carol and Daryl's Vaccine Line Cutter Emporium today. Your friends will think you're a jerk, but who needs friends anyway?
24: excellent acting by the way by our crack staff tyrus um what do you make of the vaccine rollout uh and uh what's your take
25: I, I think it's uh, honorable we're hearing so many people come forward telling us they're going to do what they're supposed to do. You know, <laughs> hey, I'm not going to jump in line. Great. I'm not going to kill anyone. So there we go. <laughs> we're all just following the rules. But if I could go the part that's really bothering me, mm-hmm. again, I go back. Pete, you'll get it. You know, every time you come, I feel like I have a brother in arms as far as parenting. <laughs> so you want to do a Zoom with Santa Claus? Yes. Okay. <laughs> awesome, right? Who didn't show up? You know what I'm saying? Like, in the middle of that, the, I guess Mrs. Claus left. Yeah. They couldn't get a full party. And second, what a sham. My kids would have tore that apart. They'd be like, yo, Santa, who are the stockings for? You know what I'm saying? Everyone knows it's coming from you. Why Why in the blue hell would Santa Claus have stockings behind him on the chimney? I'm gonna say, like his entire household doesn't know it's him. (laughs) Don't you think it's like past the point of, hey, let's put a stocking out. Why, Dad? I know it's you. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, did no one else see that? Like I'm forget the super close-up that scared all the children to begin with. Like it was like (laughs) Yes. The evil queen of the behind the cupboard, you know, the snow the snow queen. And then no one shows up, and then a sketchy Santa Claus clearly in somebody else's home like yeah. my, my kids would have had all kinds of problems with that with that zoom i'm gonna feel, zoom do it right joe i feel bad for that santa because you know his son's
24: an artist. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think if you're worried about Santa's health and safety,
22: you don't have him in front of a fireplace with a fire burning in it. <laughs> <laughs>
11: yes,
22: that's that's to come through that.
24: Yes. We'll use the front door today. Yeah. You know. But uh what do you what's you I I suppose that you were very excited by the uh poll of uh cheaters. Yeah. Yes, the the Ashley
22: Madison a lot of hotmail accounts. Yes, <laughs> that. a lot of. Is the only online survey people filled out while wearing fake mustaches. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I feel bad from from what I've heard from married people. The the lockdowns have been like being in prison. Uh, what? That, That's a lie. No, well, <laughs> it me. This. Well, oh, because they get your facts right. Fake news. Oh, God. <laughs> well, prison because they've been stuck having sex with the person next to them.
11: Terrible.
22: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but oh, yeah, sign I, me up. Yeah. I think um. Living I was the reading it was a <laughs> CDC actually came out with dating guidelines. Yeah, this was this was early on in the pandemic. Right. and They said that. For single people, if you hook up with someone you don't know, they said, while you're having sex, wear a mask. Right. And I thought, oh, been there. <laughs>
8: <laughs> I, but my, my favorite part of that survey was when they said, oh, they're like, oh, well, but many of the people said they're still having affairs, but they're using hand sanitizer. Like, <laughs> by all means. Like Just imagine your partner be like, yes, babe, but I used hand sanitizer. I would kill somebody.
24: Yes. Just to make sure it is actually hand sanitizer.
11: Hand <laughs> sanitizer. <laughs> <laughs> told- san-
24: I've just- been told that, and it's not <laughs> hand sanitizer sanitizer at all i was deeply uh wait so getting the vaccine
22: is like is like a covid condom like what is it isn't it plausibly deniable that if you got covid 19 you didn't have to get it
26: transmitted through
22: sexual transmission is this really a big problem doesn't strike me as such it covid's not the new std so i don't i don't really know where that all comes from but i watched that whole santa thing these kids, you watch the whole thing, they're asking questions like, Dear Santa, do you wear a mask and socially distance from the elves?
25: There's not a kid in the world that asks that question. Well, because behind the kids was a mother going,
8: No, yeah, I just like watched that, that. Simpsons yeah. episode where they make Lisa ask Mr. Burns that question, like, How are you so popular? <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah.
25: And what moron filled out this survey? What paper trail leaving idiot <laughs> it fills out a survey about how to cheat? Okay, here's, here's my
24: theory. Every, every poll that you get from Ashley Madison is made up by yeah. a guy yes. <laughs> in an office <laughs> yes. who is actually Ashley Madison. Yeah. Ashley Madison is one person. Yeah. Yes. His, his
25: name is Steve.
24: Yes. <laughs> he, went to, he went to like a lower level college. Yes. But he's really making a ton of money blackmailing people. Yeah,
25: he's got a, a plethora. Of All right, we've
24: got to move on. I wanted to, You plethora. know what kills me too? Everybody's now. Everybody who uh, said the vaccine sucked... They're now getting vaccinated. Remember all the Democrats? Okay. Oh, yep. And no one's mentioning President Trump. Trump. Exactly.
3: All right. That shit cracked me up. Good on Tucker calling her out on her cosmetology, too. It's great. Other comments. Young Americans or Liberty is where I got it. As messenger kids, gear up. This is her tweet. For holiday season, I decided to surprise a few of them with a special guest from the North Pole, Whitmer is using Santa Claus to indoctrinate kids about coronavirus. Even the Grinch didn't stoop this low. And now, my dear little ones, let me tell you the story of Krampus and what happened to little children who didn't unquestionably obey their governor during Christmas time. <laughs> Others, I just witnessed a new level of disturbing. This was literally cringe. This is repugnant, exploiting little kids and Santa Claus. Any parent who let their children watch this garbage from Whitner needs a visit from CPS. Have a totalitarian Christmas. This is an SNL skit, right? Somehow this seems like worst thing she's ever done. But it's not. And Janice Dean. She put grandma and grandpa in nursing homes. Then you have this one. This is a future conservative want. a little girl in a Christmas shoot uh, Christmas dress. Shooting a suppressed gun. Trigger discipline, muzzle discipline, ear protection. that's adorable. But you know what the fucking trolls did. They lost their goddamn shit. They just lost it. Uh, Ho, ho, horrible, CNN. Santa Claus will be coming to town this year, Dr. Fauci says. It took care of that for you, he says. I took a trip up there in North Pole and went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity. He's good to go. I'm not playing it. But once again, everybody, quit using children to push your shit WAPO well they did what they fucking always do every time you listen to Bing Crosby's White Christmas about five people have died from the coronavirus between the beginning and the end of the song that came from who the fuck wrote this I don't know their douche nozzles. So, before we Christmas it up, gonna play two sound bites. One is my Mighty Ducks winning the Pactol Championship, and the Black Knights of Army winning the Commander's Trophy.
25: Mike, yes, welcome back to the Coliseum. Welcome to the Championship Trophy and
17: MVP presentation. First of all, congratulations to both teams in this unprecedented season really great seasons a fun championship game tonight most importantly
25: though congratulations to the Oregon Ducks the champions of the Pac-12 before we present the the big hardware the championship trophy time to announce and present the MVP trophy for the 2020 Pac-12 championship the
3: MVP he was a game wrecker tonight Kayvon Timidham
11: (laughs) Oh! <laughs>
17: Get the indication for the official Air Force ball at the 40. Park Texas emerges with the ball.
3: Yeah, it looked like it was a
17: split zone lead play, and Tyler wanted to pull it. I don't know if Robinson wasn't on the same page or what. That here today. The Army fumble. Daniels and company take over on the first down play, which yields a big game for Brad Roberts. Turns through traffic, second level, and then some, Gets to the 24. Going for Roberts. The On third down, drag backwards, marked shy by about half a yard. Now up to the game of two, fourth down for Air Force. We think that's an interesting decision from Calhoun. Temi shoot, Peltbull. From 32. He misses it. No good. Pelts roll of Air Force. Tyler three. Tyler Tyler go, go, go. has the edge. And a good pickup for Army. As he crashes into the Black Knight bench obviously it's all for now tyler goes to the ground goes north gets the first down out to about the army's 15 plays so far confusion there trouble tired tyler but gets out of trouble and gets the edge midfield and then some with a really nice improvisation by tired tyler He's been fantastic. Carries here. On third down, and the real McCoy team captain has gotten up for another Army first down inside the 25. third and short. Ah, really cannon. The wrecking ball gets down to the 10. Don't follow with Tyler out of this formation. Here's third down. A fake run. Standing on for Cameron. Incomplete. Bags. Cameron almost caught it. Wynn Boreski in for the field goal try. He's got it. Knuckles it through from 24. We got our first Uh, place. Teams leading rush. Hunter Roberts. Hazik Daniels, the keep. Puts the foot in the ground. And gets another first down. New Jersey, Hazik Daniels leads the way for Air Force. The keep. Daniels, big pick up. First down, then some for Air Force. In the plus territory. Finally stopped by Cameron Jones. Here's Daniels sets. Throws nearly picked by Jones looking for a second reception of this first half intended for Brandon Lewis. It's leave. One play. First down. Jacoby Buchanan dragging tacklers for a first and then some to the 25-yard line. It's Christian Anderson. Here's second down. Option read. There's a big pick again for Anderson. First down. He, he Anderson on the carry. He almost took the out the to the house. carries the game. That's tops in the nation. Second down. Robinson into plus territory and another first down for Army. Got the speed, got the wheels. On third down, it's Buchanan. Stop short. About two yards shot. Gain of two for Jacoby Buchanan. Looking for the 21st fourth down conversion of the year. Here's Anderson, a second effort, pushed backwards. He did not get there. Air Force answers the call and turns it over on downs. Will Traywick comes out with the ball. Here for Air Force. Totes the rock. Brad Roberts. First down and then zone. The edge. Roberts big pickup. Tiptoes The sideline may have stepped out at about the 29. Right straight. Keith Daniels. Backroll, piece of him, lunging forward, and he's about a yard and a half shy. Two wide left. This from 37 with nine seconds to go in the first half. Missed this one too. Also wide yes, left man. and no good. To keep this a 3 0 game for Army. Anderson spins. Nobody there. and Pits the ball to keeps broken play and gets to the 40.
11: Back to the line of scrimmage.
17: A four. Here's Jose Daniels, trying for his first completion. Dancing, scrambles, trouble, Rannigan can't make the play, but does get enough. Uh, Zeke Daniels' legs to get him out of bounds. A punting situation here for Air Force again. Daniels will keep spot, 20. First down, gets to the 25, and uh, much needed first down. View for Cedric Cunningham and it. Daniels throwing a lot of this drive. Morris, been busy, has the catch. Goes down. Again, Daniels. Throws. Sideline route. Run in. Daniels passes complete on Brandon the play. Brandon Lewis has the grab for Air Force. Okay. Lewis helped off. Rebber in motion. Play fake. Zeke Daniels on the sprint right. Deep ball again. Patterson breaks this one in. Complete for Air Force. Inside the 10. Here's Daniels. Time delivers end zone caught touchdown. Patterson's got it. Air Force on the board for the first time tonight. And the Falcons have the lead. Anderson's taken over. Here's third down, a big play. A freeze option or a broken play. Tyrell Robinson has the catch, but he's sworn by Gray Jerseys. The Air Force with their red tail uniforms. Perfect. Daniels. Second down. Isaac Daniels. Flushed right. Gonna run with it. Daniels, first down of that song. Mascore out of bounds outside Daniels of 35 at about the 37. Third and this long. Third down. Here's Daniels. Dana, thanks for that. Isaac Daniels throws. Perfectly placed ball for Peterson and makes the grab. Second down. A lot to future in PMAC. for Daniels. Gonna take a shot. Deep ball. Point, oh, get the ball back. Well, number one, I, I can't believe they threw this pass right here. Number two, Whoa. it's a terrific job by Jabari Moore. Jabari for Anderson since the road loss in New Orleans against Tulane. Pitch play, Tyrell Robinson on the left side creates some space. Does so the cut back, and they pick up for the speedy Tyrell Robinson. Left thing for Anderson. So Bennett to pursue Anderson. Carrier block to the
11: vertical.
17: Now ready to The Knights of the Hudson. Buchanan went to tackle just about to go down. Last moment shoestring tackle. Fourth and four. Play right fake. Oh, pressure. Anderson the rollout. Anderson the first down for Army. Moves the chains. Ross, you called it huge. First down for the Black Knights. Here's second down. Hit Buchanan. Bustling through the tackles again. And he has a first down. He gets to the five, first and goal. Air Force one timeout left. It's Buchanan trying to muscle his way toward the goal line. He's pulled backward by Air Force tacklers. No game timeout. This is it for the game. Fourth and goal for Army. Buchanan lunging. Buchanan is in. Touchdown, Fourth. This was ten. Daniels. Tenth intercepted. Eric Smith the pickoff. Third interception of the season. There is a flag down.
3: After the interception,
17: illegal block in the back, number 47 of the intercepting team. That'll be a 10 yard penalty. It'll be first down Army. I think Army fans and coaches will forgive John Radiger, Johnny Nation, for that penalty after the pick, the tip ball, and it comes to Eric Smith. Wabina Bonsu gets that big left hand on it, almost like a volleyball set right to Eric Smith. Two juniors that have played a lot of football trying to bring home the CIC trophy. We'll start over.
0: <laughs> All right, so this was the first screen. All right, so in Die Hard, what does he write on the dead henchman? What's the message he writes on Hans Gruber?
3: Well, <laughs> no, have machine gun, ho ho ho. <laughs> mm-hmm.
11: <laughs> da, 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 da.
0: Which- He's the winner. For the
3: record, we're watching today. That's Gigi's favorite Christmas movie. People <laughs> it
0: is not a Christmas movie just because it has a
3: Christmas movie. It is totally a Christmas movie. She brought, brought me over. Of course, she is my girlfriend, but she did bring me over because it is Christmassy. It Especially is. the ending. It always makes me think of Christmas.
0: I know. It is. All right. In A Wonderful Life, what fictional town Bedford Falls. Bedford Falls well yeah Bedford <laughs> Falls
11: yeah. <laughs> I think I watched that once when I was like seven
0: you should watch it again it's a good one
11: it's In so good yeah. no
0: which of the following um, hold on a minute which song of the same name one of the most holiday tunes of all time however holiday it
11: yes Another great Christmas
0: movie. All right. So Will Ferrell, Winter Hearts, in the super buddy film Elf. Um, He finds out he was adopted by Santa and sets out to find his real father. Which iconic building does the real dad work in?
3: Empire State Building.
0: It is. This was Maggie's favorite movie.
3: You know, the kids turned over to it. I got to admit, it is kind of cute.
0: What is his favorite food? I think it's cookies, candy cane, and syrup or something.
3: Yeah, syrup. Yeah, syrup on everything. Yeah. Syrup on spaghetti. I'll never try it.
0: That would make me barf. I'm telling you. All right. So everyone answered the favorite things. So this was our favorite holiday songs. And I did get this from Randy, too. And it's funny there was a, there were some duplicates in all this. It was pretty pretty good. Um our favorite hot drinks.
3: That was an excerpt from my family Zoom meeting. And of course we Zoom because we're not near each other. I got family in Colorado, Oregon, I mean, we're spread all over the place. But Christmas is a time for family. And I used to do really long shows. This is going to be a very short segment. I wanted to cover my favorite stuff. That's why I kind of stopped there. Now, I am a Christmas geek. The house is decked out with lights and got a 20-foot sleigh blow-up. I got a projection that goes on a Santa. That thing cost me an arm and a leg, but it plays 20 minutes of movies. I got floating freaking blow mold reindeer up in this biatch. And to be honest, if I don't win the neighborhood competition, it's rigged. Because it's the first year out of three that I went and looked at my competition. And I'm not Griswold. There is a guy that's Griswold, but he's got like 10 lights and they're those LED, and it's just boring. I have a full manger, man. I got baby Jesus. I got. Uh, Mary and Joseph, uh, three wise men, lighted under a manger I built. Not a very good one. I mean, it's just a frame with some thatching on top. But, not supposed to be about you, <laughs> even though I just made it about me. It's supposed to be about family and friends. So, I am a huge uh, Christmas geek. So I'm going to play some of my favorite shows that um, you might not know of. And I'm going to, uh, in the background, you hear songs uh, that I think are fantastic. They're basically the same ones, you know. For uh, movies you've probably never seen, Um, one of our favorites, and we stumbled across it a couple years ago, is beyond christmas it's an old movie you can see it in color but it was black and white and the premise was some old guys wanted to have a some time with some young people they threw a wallet out hoping somebody would actually bring the wallet to them and they did which is pretty cool (laughs) and here's the trailer
26: Gentlemen, please,
11: take the train.
26: You feel the very lonely place in his heart.
18: How are you, Chad? Splendid. Light as air. The boy's got talent. Why shouldn't he do something with his voice?
1: I think a lot of you, you know that, don't you? If things ever go wrong for you or people don't treat you right or you get
26: sick or something, don't forget my friend. You'll let me know if you need me, won't you?
11: Sometimes we have to go to the darkness alone before we can see the light.
8: Come on, get in the car, put on your seatbelts. Somebody might be coming back. He's not coming back, Miles. You read the note.
11: Where are we going? I thought Dad took all the money. Why'd he take it? Because that's what low-lifes do.
17: Trudy may be looking for a waitress. She
18: owns the Model A Cafe south end of town.
0: I can't afford to hire anyone right now. I'll work for
8: half the wages you can afford and tips.
13: I can only afford minimum wage, and we'll
2: see how it goes till Christmas. Thank you. You won't regret it.
11: not my mom. She is now. No. She just
26: married my dad. He was
13: really hurt when his dad left him. He's better off.
11: you don't be okay, Mama. I think he wrote me off a long time ago. God won't forget us at
13: Christmas.
11: He's not coming back, Miles. I'm sorry. I hate this. I, I hate you for doing this. You're kicking us out the day after Christmas? Please.
3: Let's go, buddy. Come on.
11: Don't go, Miles. I'm sorry. But we're a family. I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I can. I can't lose Miles. And I'm out of options. Oh, well, what's all of this for? It's for making root
17: beer. The biggest troublemaker you're ever going to have to deal with in life is
19: watching you from that mirror every morning.
8: Well, being single's not so bad.
19: I'm not single. I'm romantically challenged. Yeah, right.
11: (laughs) I love you. This will be the best Christmas ever. Yeah!
14: Listeners.
3: the second soundbite was a christy swanson movie that was a hallmark ages ago they don't play it and it's a tearjerker it's about a southern town man i tell you that thing gets me every time because the family comes together and takes care of her Cause the ex husband or whatever is just a douchebag, but um, I love that movie. I'll be watching it today, and I'll probably get teary eyed because I do every time. For movies that you probably never seen, there's a billion Scrooges, but my favorite is 1973, the musical.
18: presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And you are to show me shadows of the things that will happen in the time before us. Is that so, Spirit? Ghost of the future, I fear you more than any apparition I have seen. But as I know, your purpose is to do me good. And as I hope to be another man for what I was, I am prepared to bear you company. Will you speak to me? The night is waning fast, and I know that time is precious to me. Lead on, spirit! Lead on! There you are, my friends. Shining
26: as bright as the happy thoughts the mere mention of the name Scrooge brings to our minds. Ladies and gentlemen, we are gathered here today because we are united by a common body. (laughs) Namely, our feelings of gratitude to Mr. Ebenezer Scrooge. (laughs) Uh, I don't think any of us can ever hope to find the words to describe the true depth of our feeling towards him. it. Is
18: this the future?
26: (laughs) All right, my friends, all right.
18: I That's Tom Jenkins, the hot soup man. He owes me six pounds. I say, looks uncommonly happier for someone so deep in debt. All these people owe me money.
26: They love me and I never knew. Hide me oh. hold down your emotions, if you please. Now, we are all deeply moved. Yeah. Those of us what has been in debt to Mr S over all these years will never forget what a rare and beautiful thing he has just done for us all,
18: right? great cheers for Mr. Scrooge. What did I do? What did I do? Whatever it was, it has made him truly happy, and I am the call. My friends, I thank you from the bottom of my heart. I shall remember this moment until my dying day. For he's a jolly good fellow.
11: For he's a jolly good
18: May I say, in all humility, I have laboured unceasingly all my life to be worthy of this moving demonstration of your feelings towards me. Ladies and gentlemen.
26: On behalf of all the people who have assembled here, I would merely like to mention, if I may, that our unanimous attitude is one of lasting gratitude for what our friend has done for us (laughs) today. And therefore, I would simply like to say... Thank you very much. Thank you very much, that's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me. I'm a nice and Dutch, but my delight is such, I feel as if a losing war's been won for me. And if I had a flag, I'd hang me flag out to add a sort of final victory touch. But since I left me flag alone, i simply have to say, Thank you very, very,
18: very much.
26: Thank you very, very, very very much Thank you very much Thank you very much And that's the nicest thing that anyone's ever done for me It sounds a bit bizarre But things the way they are I feel as if another life's begun for me And if I had a
11: cannon, I would fire it
26: to add a sort of celebration, <laughs> it's all in me, I'm not simply <laughs> Thank
18: you very, very, very much Thank you very, very, very For so all much For Thank you very much Thank you very much
26: For me. And if, hey, you woke my baby, will you keep quiet? Beg your pardon, lady? And if I had a bugle, I would blow it. Shh! To I'd add a sort of value for a touch. Ah! T- Since I get to you with a love, I simply have to say Thank you very, very, very much. Thank you very
18: much. Much. Thank, you Thank, very you much. Much. Thank you very much. That's the nice to see the living living done for me. A <laughs> future looks alright. In fact, it comes so great. I feel it's funny
3: is done for me. I hit my hand and come on it. That movie is really good for the time period. It has great effects. I mean, that's the best Scrooge there is. I know George C. Scott, a bunch of other people did one. Kelsey Grammer, blah, blah, blah. That one is so good. Yeah, it's a musical, but it's catchy and it's not annoying and the kids act well. And man, it's a really good Scrooge. So give it a go. For the new ones, well, Christmas Chronicle, we talked last year. This year was Christmas Chronicle 2. And I still watch at least twice a holiday season. Fox's rendition of A Christmas Story and I know it got dog because they PC'd it and it's a musical and it's not the same but Elf's a musical too we don't hold that against them here is Ralphie to the Rescue from A Christmas Story and a trailer for Christmas Chronicles 2 the only two things well Claws Christmas Chronicle 1 and 2 on Netflix is the only thing that they haven't turned into an LGBT agenda movie
18: To the rescue, take one. Sound speed. Ah!
11: The teacher oh. in trouble. So get there on the double or she'll face her too. Ralphie, do something! The tension is mounting. One minute left and counting till she goes come Won't you save me, Ralphie? Tell the scoundrel to surrender. Seen. We're stuck in a sticker. We've got some cash to pick up. We'll the bag with loot. <laughs> Tellin' the teller. Now hand it over, sailor. Or we'll have to shoot into the air. That's right. Explo- Won't you help us, Rousey? Tell these brothers to Help
16: To witness something that no one else on Earth has ever
18: seen
17: before. Let's see if you can handle this! Guess this is your lucky day, you captain!
24: Welcome to the North Pole! Santa! <laughs> Kate? Pierce, how did you get here? You and Jack are supposed to be on vacation with your Santa.
8: family. Our shuttle fell into this wormhole. Have a nice trip. You, Mrs. Claus?
11: Here's
16: uh-huh. ah! an F. You're in Santa's Village, the real one. Wow,
11: this is incredible. We have over three hundred thousand shops in the village. Whoa!
20: Everyone,
25: designed by Mrs. Claus.
11: She <laughs> <laughs> designed this place. I think it should be called Mrs. Claus's Village. Me too.
25: Well, I never thought of that. Of course, he didn't.
13: What is that?
16: That is the Christmas Star.
13: Created by the Forest Elves in 312 AD.
16: The star
17: protects us and keeps us hidden. And I'm here to steal it.
13: What's happening?
18: I'm going to make everybody forget that the North Pole and Santa Claus ever existed.
17: Bell's neckle. This is bad. Without the Star, the North Pole, the village, Christmas is doomed!
26: Like for this year? Like forever. You can't let that happen. Christmas must endure. Let's do this.
11: Ah! We have to stop him.
25: Hold on tight. This might get a little rough.
11: Isn't it dangerous something? I'm arming you with these. You're arming me with cookies.
2: You spend every hour of every year getting ready for one
18: lousy day. Help me, somebody! A day that brings joy to children all over the
13: world. And that will never change. Sometimes I think you actually enjoy these little dangerous escapades.
17: I. I. Well, I. I.
13: Damn.
3: And then lastly, this one you can get on eBay, it's for 2012, I'm not a big country guy, but Blake Shelton's Not So Family Christmas was really good for those campy TV shows, it was better than John Legend and his hateful wife, and goddamn his new wife, uh, Blake Shelton's wife, they do want Glenn Stefani, it's freaking horrible, Pentatonix got horrible, they were good, but then the one singer became LGBT uh, gender neutral and so their shows went from just singing to crap. So um, yeah, this was funny and this is a skit about them going out and killing the every, every cast member of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Hilarious. About a week ago, me and my buddy Larry the Cable
16: Guy went hunting and I think things got a little out of hand, but I'll let you guys decide. Take a look. I'm glad you suggested going hunting, Larry. Being out here among these snow-covered pines really puts me in the holiday spirit.
18: Yeah, Blake, there's nothing more Christmas than walking through the woods with a rifle. How about a couple of sips to warm up? Sure,
7: a couple of sips couldn't hurt. What
16: do you know? Turns out it only had a couple of sips in it.
18: Get her done.
16: (laughs) (laughs)
17: That's what I'm talking about. Oh, Blake. We just bagged us Rudolph to Red-Nosed Reindeer. (laughs) It, It can't be. Oh, We just shot Rudolph, man. He's beloved by children the world over. People are going to hate me. They're going to burn
18: my records. They're going to take away my chair. Keep it together, Blake. Nobody's going to take your chair, you hear me? Nobody's ever even going to know this happened. Now help me start digging. Rudolph, where are you? We must continue on our journey. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. What did we do? What we had to do. No witnesses. Now keep digging. Hermie! Rudolph! It's time for some hot chocolate! What? Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! Come on!
17: Christmas town's a nice place, isn't it? What's the matter, friends? Haven't you ever seen a talking
18: snowman? I thought they should come in, Andy. At least we ain't got to dig no hole
13: for that one.
3: Oh, my God. Where'd they all come from?
18: Look, it's Santa's castle. Let's get her dead. Wait, no. (laughs) No. Oh, thank God. It was just a dream. You've been a naughty boy, Shelton. Oh, oh,
17: oh. I gotta say,
16: after watching that, I wonder if maybe we went a little bit too far. But then again,
17: did walk away with
11: this.
17: <laughs> I'm definitely not getting anything in my
3: stocking this year. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. So give those a go. Lastly, I was going to play a review for Winter Jack. Jack Daniels, Apple, drink it warm, freaking nectar of the gods. I'm not a big drinker anymore, but I'll be damned if that isn't the best damn elixir for a cold winter night for me down here we're in the 50s today we got a chance for a white christmas eve kind of i mean the tie is going to be 35 christmas eve and 32 christmas day so i've got a bunch of birch gonna be burning a fire and hope i get a dusting wednesday afternoon as it all turns to freaking snow and that would be my first white christmas for food and everything, uh, come on, we all eat the same thing. Cookies out the wing-wang, a big feast. This year is a family, because my son works nights, and we usually have to wait for him to show up. Um, we're doing Christmas breakfast, so we're going to have the whole shebang. egg bank, bacon, sausage, you name it, we're eating it for breakfast. And then if we decide to have a meal... We'll have our italian christmas like we always do this year's manicotte set of lasagna a little antipas and a salad and for new years because i'm not going to cover it um used to um we usually have a dessert or a or d'oeuvre tray of some sort we never stay up anymore because it's all sucks it's boring especially the when dick clark turned into the Ryan Crete, Seacrest, it's all a bunch of people you don't know who the hell they are. And with COVID, none of that's going to happen this year. So we'll probably be in bed by 8, and we'll wake up New Year's Day, and we start a tradition of going out to dinner. Uh, we go to a, a steakhouse and have a steak for lunch, and then we probably go on diets. <laughs> that's our plan every year. We'll do it this year. But Christmas is my favorite time of year. And if I was going to give a message on it, You know, it is the birth of Jesus. When I was a kid, we had a Christmas birthday cake for Jesus. We still do that in our family. Um, But it really comes down to being kind to other people, be loving, reach out to your family, talk to friends you haven't. I'm calling a buddy from high school on Wednesday, and I'm calling my buddy Sork, which I don't know if he listens to the podcast anymore. But he's a truck driver, and I'll touch base with him. And Rich in Alabama, I'll touch base with him. I'm going to try to get a hold of Tom, Tom in Tucson. And, you know, what? you got to reach out and talk to people. I hate to sound like the end of Scrooged with Bill Murray, but, you know, you might just reach somebody that needed somebody to care. And with the world as it is, with COVID, everybody's locked in, mental health's a problem. Uh, The politics of you're evil because you're the wrong skin color. God, do we need a little Christmas this year. So ensure you disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah, yeahs. Spend time with your family. Watch some sappy Christmas TV. And enjoy yourself. I wish you all a Merry Christmas. Our next show will be Sunday the 21st. So you can tune in for Sunday the 21st. Let's try that again. Sunday the 27th. So tune back in for that. We're going to go back to the regular format. A little bit of woke, a little bit of media bias. And this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politics. Share it with your family and friends. Send comments to Flyover Politic with a K at outlook.com. Get the show on SoundCloud, Podcastatic, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, no more. I keep saying it, but it doesn't exist. iTunes, Down Pocket, Blueberry, Stitcher. Check out the tweet Twitter account at Fop Tony Reed. And ask Stated. Tune back in Sunday for another show. I hope Santa hooks you up. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. And I thank you for listening. We'll end on my favorite sh- song, Snowfall. Man, I love this.
1: Thank you for listening to Flyover Politic Podcast. Please check out our Facebook page at FOP Podcast and Twitter account at FOP Tony Reed. Remember, it's a short ride. Make every day count.